Matt here at the top. Uh, what follows this little introduction is a delightful interview with uh, BotBot from our dear friend Alec. Another one of his fireside chats. That's right. Roots back, baby. I have no idea if he has more on the hopper, but he had this one. Hunter is on the great journey to Portland. Uh, we are sp we're splitting up. It's time for SCPT West and SCPT South to become the norm of the show again. And uh, as part of that transition uh, and taking Hunter taking some time to to make that move, Alec stepped up for us and had this awesome interview. They talk about Twilight Imperium. They talk about Root. They talk about Oath. They talk about all kinds of stuff. Um, but a, a big focus on the idea of entanglement. So I hope you'll check this one out. It was very fun. But I also here at the top want to plug our new thing that we've been working on for a while and just came out yesterday, if you're listening to this, uh, when SCPT launches. Uh, we have a new show, Old Gamers Almanac. It is a video game show. It is the definitive ranking of all video games ever, one week at a time. Uh, we are taking a, uh, every single week one game. We talk about it for a while, and then we put it into our constant, ongoing, and ever-growing list of all video games and rank them side by side. So it's a BuzzFeed listicle that never stops. Uh, we really hope anyone with an interest in video games or even a glancing interest in gaming in general might give it a go, might give it a try. Maybe you want to play along with the games that we are going to inevitably talk about as the show continues forward. But we're very excited for this new show. Uh, we launched three episodes in the Old Gamers Almanac feed, which you can search on any podcast app that you use. Uh, if, it, if you don't find it yet, it might be early uh, growing pains, but message us, send us an email at oldgamersalmanac at gmail.com and let us know if uh, the show's not showing up on your podcast app of choice, and we'll try to fix that. But there's going to be three episodes in that feed. You should have already seen in the Space Cats feed. We're going to drop one episode in there so you get a little sampler of what the show kind of feels like and is shaped like. But uh, it, right now, at the moment you're listening to this, you can already go listen to three episodes of that show. So please go give it a, a try. Again, it's Old Gamers Almanac. And uh, we talk video games, and now we have two shows a week, and uh, we're going to always be tired because we're doing two things at once constantly. So, uh, you know, just just please pray for us. Pray for our minds and souls uh, as we en endure the difficulty of too many things on our plate, like always. Anyways, here's a thing we didn't do, but Alec did for us, just to immediately stab at some hypocrisy myself. I didn't do this. Here's an episode with Root. Love you. Bye. This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 213, Fireside Chats with BotBot. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Hello, my name is Alec. Welcome to, I guess, season two of Space Cats Peace Turtles Fireside Chats. Hadn't really intended on a, a seasonal format, but that's kind of how things worked out. And I'm very excited today as uh, guest number one of season two, uh, we have BotBot. Bot. Say hi, BotBot. Bot. Hello. Can I, call it, can I call you Root? I prefer to call you Root, and I know that's 
not really important. <laughs> yeah, we, I prefer we to should, call you, but... We should definitely clear that up now, since we're going to be talking about Root the Board Game a whole lot today. Um, we should probably call me Alec. Okay. As okay. uncomfortable as that may be. <laughs> Um, my biggest I, fear I will... is I'm gonna. My biggest fear is I'm gonna call you Alex, and that's just gonna be. Oh, I'm used to it. I get it all the time. Um, but I, I will never forgive Matt and Hunter for getting into root the board game and and forcing <laughs> to abandon my yeah nom de plume. But uh, oh well, I'll, maybe I'll get over it someday. But today is not that day. <laughs> <laughs> so bot bot for anyone who may not know how you became associated with Space Cats, Peace Turtles. Tell us tell us a little bit about your journey into our community. Well, it started when I was looking for people to play Twilight Imperium with. I had, the funny story is I, my mom always wants to buy me birthday presents. I'm a grown adult, but my mom still wants to buy me birthday presents. And I asked for Twilight Imperium and she got me Twilight Imperium 3. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but then I, uh, I was out looking for people to play Twilight Imperium with, and I found a group, and they invited me over, and then I don't even remember how I heard about the podcast, but I knew about the podcast. I was like, okay, I got to study up. I'm going to play Mentac for my very first game. I got to figure out how these guys work, and maybe I didn't have access to that to that show at that. I have no idea. I don't know how I found out <laughs> about it, but I mean, this is my favorite game. This is my favorite game to play to talk about. I could talk about it for hours, and so. Once I found it, I was like, oh, these guys are crazy. Like, they're just having a lot of fun with it. And, you know, they just drew me in. And then somehow my bank account started giving them money. I'm not sure how that happened either. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if anyone really does. I think once you join the Discord, it kind of just happens whether you like it or not. <laughs> it's ran you're randomly <laughs> chosen, like, speaker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Someone just rolls a die. Like, oh, this person's donating to SP today. Just kidding. Uh, okay, it's all <laughs> legit and above board. <clears throat> Uh, so <laughs> you may know if you listen to any previous fireside chats, I like to start with a few kind of standard questions. So let's, uh, let's dive into those. Uh, yeah. I'm going to adapt them a little bit cause I know you're big into root as well. So we're going to, we're going to account for that. Uh, question number one, Mr. Bot, what is your favorite board game that isn't twilight Imperium or root? Ah, uh, okay. Right now it's probably gotta be a game called. Pax, Eman or Pax Emancipation, Pax Transhumanity. Uh, that's probably the one that I have the most love for right now. Give me, give me like the elevator pitch. I've never heard of this game. Are you familiar with Pax? The concept as a game. Sort um, of a I know, I know that Pax is like a, a game convention. There's an East one and a West one. Okay. Well, there's also a, a sort of a, a category of game called Pax. It's kind of a tableau, card-based game. Usually pretty complicated. Usually kind of takes on more serious. Uh, tones such as uh, the Renaissance and emancipation. Um, but anyway, the whole idea is instead of painting this dark dystopian destructive future, this game is sort of helping you take these different ideas and put them into human progress. And it shows how much ingenuity can come out of society when these ideas get developed and adapted by society. And like all these ideas are just really kind of weird and random and it's got such a uh, quaint art to it it's such a simple design and there's like not, not a lot of components to it and it's really confusing and most people just want to vomit all over it you got to put plastic over it if you're going to teach it because they're going to vomit all over it 
<laughs> after they after they hear the first rules explanation. I'm a big fan of games who can do a lot with with very little. You know, a few, yeah, few had, components, basic art, and and still making a good game out of that is is always impressive to me. Absolutely, yeah. My favorite game, I think, is a great example of that diplomacy. <laughs> you okay. know, the, the the set I have are literally just two different types of units. They're just wooden blocks and then a, a crappy map of Europe. <laughs> I still haven't. I still haven't played that. I I've, I saw it played, and they like this whole group of people. I was at a convention in Indianapolis or Indiana, Minneapolis, and like they were going back to different tables, and then they would come back mm-hmm. and they would talk about it. Like it was, it looked really interesting. I knew what it was when I was watching it, but I had never played it. But everybody talks about it, so I guess I should play it. It's good. I I've played it quite a bit online, and and. Honestly, I think it kind of suffers. It's it's a fun game to play in person, but it's a very tough game to get people to play in person. And it's an unlimited it player count, easier. right? Um, the standard game is uh, for seven players, and it's okay. really meant to be played at seven. Uh, you can play with fewer, but it's it gets dramatically worse. There are okay. map modes that, that people have created that are for uh, you know, higher player counts. So I think there's... There's a map for like 27 players. It's just a world map. It seems like chaos to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. But uh, awesome. That sounds intriguing. And I, I'm actually surprised that I have not heard of that like class of game before. But it sounds pretty cool. And the box is like six inches by six inches. So like it's oh, maybe wow. it's eight inches, something like it's just a tiny little box. It's amazing. Nice. Next question, BotBot. What attracts you most to the board gaming hobby oh i hate to sound like a cliche but it's the people like um i mean at some point we'll talk about <laughs> the root tournament council and i was the charismatic because i was i was always like hey do you want to play you want to play a game you want to play a game let's get in a game like always looking to connect with people and you know whether it's sitting across the table or sitting across tts i just that's what makes them fun i'm not a i used to love euro games but Euro mm-hmm. games kind of lack that human interaction aspect of it. Sure. But I also, I mean, I also like really complicated rules. <laughs> like I like them to be oh. challenging and just like, <laughs> just make you question your decisions throughout the entire thing. I don't ever like feeling safe in a board game. Like <laughs> I like living on the edge going, I don't, I don't know if this is going to go well. That, I mean, it is so clear to me why you're such a big fan of both root and Twilight <laughs> yeah. Imperium. Yeah. Because <laughs> you never uh, feel safe. Yeah. No, no, not at all. <laughs> um, bot, bot, this is my favorite question that I ask people. Um, what kind of a player do you think you are? If I could use three words, one would be adaptable, one would be emotional, and one would be a teacher. And... I don't know that they all happen at the same time, but like I love teaching mm-hmm. games and I like having a sort of an approach that makes sure that everybody has a good experience because I, you know, I'm not, I don't want to teach somebody a game and then just smash them and oh, look how dominant I was. Look how good I am at this <laughs> game. It's, it's really about how do you, I mean, people have talked about this before. Nobody's, this isn't a new concept, but the whole goal is always to make them come back. Yeah. And exactly. so that's, you, that's the number one goal in a, a teaching game. Sure. So I really like being a teacher, but at the same time, I I can get up. Ti is the only game that really makes me get upset. Like I, anything can happen to me in Root, and I don't care. Like I enjoy the the narrative that comes out of a Root game, but in Twilight Imperium, I uh, I will get salty. I'll get um, sure. you know it happens more in my home group and in real life, but 
TTS, I'm a lot more chill, mm-hmm. but I've. <laughs> like but the nice thing about playing on TTS is you can just mute yourself and scream into the void, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or pull up Audacity and make a recording of it and then mail it to them. That's another way to. <laughs> It's another way to get in their head. I, I love that. Do you do you have like a specific approach to teaching games? Is it different for each game? Is there like a kind of general game plan or how, how does that go for you? Well, I feel like that adaptability comes in. You know, there's some people I know I've taught games to that like they just want to start playing. And so you just kind of give them a broad overview. I try to think about it in terms of starting at the highest level and we're just working your way slowly down. Like there's those little rules that you don't really need to know about now. Like what do you need to know right away to start making some of the first decisions that you're going to need to make? So like starting with this is the basic concept. This is like the the lore if you will. And then like this is your goal. This is the stra- the not the strategy, but this is like what you're trying to accomplish. And then mm-hmm. here's the things that you have to do to accomplish that. Now let's talk about how they actually work, what the components do, what the components re- represent. I think that's that's kind of how I'd like to approach it, but people learn so differently. Um, some people ask a lot of questions really early on, like, oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily <laughs> matter how many times you have to do X, Y, and Z. Like, it's let's let's just go through this, but you have to still be patient with, with those different learning styles. Um, For sure. But I think... A lot of times I try to just throw people in to the first turn and say, here's the decisions you should make and here's why. And then just slowly back off as they as they seem to get it, because people get that at uh, different paces. And so when you're teaching a group of two to three people or whatever, like you can kind of let each of them go on their own. And then you just sit back like a proud pop and be like, look at that. Look what I did. I'm so great. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think. I also, when I teach games, which I enjoy doing as well, I, I start from kind of the same place as you. I start at the top. How do you win the game, right? What is what is mm-hmm. the end goal here? And then you work backwards from that. How do you achieve that? What you know components you know build into that process and kind of just yeah build build backwards. I think a lot of people try to teach going forwards like and and that okay and now now that you know all of these things here's how you win <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and i think that that gets overwhelming pretty quickly for a lot of people yeah exactly what do you think is the biggest challenge that you typically face in a game of either twilight imperium or root well i i have to think about magi and magi math and like that sort of approach um like in even in any other game that requires like calculations of either percentages or odds or like calculating how many different cards are available, how many cards have been spent, all those sort of really heavy accounting things. I don't do those really well. Um, I try to lean on my human interactions to counter that. But like mm-hmm. you can be playing with a game and somebody will say, oh, yeah, but. You know, they have there's there's two extra cards that are left in the deck and they don't have them. I know that because this and and like the calculations for how much infantry how much ships you should bring into a fight like i just don't do a lot of that math <laughs> to be perfectly honest sure and uh, i think that's the biggest challenge is really pacing myself to think about those things or at least consider that i didn't already haven't thought about them before mm-hmm. i commit to the decision um but i think just jumping ahead and saying this is what i need to do is probably the biggest challenge for me interesting i I'm like 
I, I, I like that there are places in games like Twilight Imperium where math can really help you out, but I also tend to be <laughs> uh, not great at it enough to like do it on the fly. You know, if I sit back and really think about it, I can, you know, maybe come to some sort of statistics or math-based conclusion, but I'm not quick enough on my feet with that stuff to, uh, yeah, to yeah. do that quickly um, as much as I would like to be. Uh, even when I like I, I enjoy playing poker for instance and even with poker I'm like okay I'm just gonna I remember some basic statistics about like <laughs> general things and I'm just gonna go from there and my like you said my interactions with the people you know my reads on on the players that I'm playing with I'm gonna lean more on those than the math itself yeah I know that an inside straight draw is not great <laughs> <laughs> but I can't tell you what the odds are. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I've watched enough poker that um, I know if I if I'm like if the flop has come and I'm I'm waiting, I'm I just I'm dead to like two cards. I have a five yeah. percent chance. That's that's like <laughs> that's an easy one. You got five percent yeah. chance drawn to two cards. <laughs> well, that's more than I would do. The rest of it, I'm just like I'm feeling it out. <laughs> How do you? This is really only applicable to, to TI, not so much to Root, but how do, how do you ap- approach planning out a round in your mind? Well, I, first of all, think about what I'm going to score this round, but then I also think about what am I going to score next round? Uh, sometimes that's possible. Like Sometimes you have to think, well, we'll see what objective comes up at the end of this round, but I mean, it always mm-hmm. starts with that, and then thinking about how do I, what can I do this, like sometimes before you even started, you already have your objective met, meaning you can spend sure. this round either going, you know, setting up for next objective, just entangling with somebody else and slowing them down a little bit, gumming up their works, whatever, um, which is probably an area that I struggle with. Like, what should I do? I don't want to just take a planet to take a planet. But at yeah. the same time, if I take a planet from them, it slows them down one of two ways. They don't have that planet. Or they have to come take it back, which hurts their efficiency. Um, but I think really thinking about not what attack am I going to get, but like, am I even going to get attack? Is there attack that I need? Is there something I'm working toward that I need to get something this round? Can I save the token and four resources on attack this round? Because I very rarely take tech. Like when tech comes to me, I'm usually like, eh, probably not. Sure. Maybe not. <laughs> I, but, um, I think that with uh, with prophecy of kings and the additional objectives, that kind of thinking is more uh, a lot easier to yeah more more common yeah. and, and easier to yeah. get away with not not caring too much about tech. I mean, you always get to that position where you're like, oh, finally I had light wave deflector, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> yeah. I think if if you're doing it right, you should understand why or why you may not need light wave deflector. So. But anyway, yeah, I think that's kind of how I plan it out and, and think about, you know, we talked about math. I think I do a little bit more due diligence with figuring out, okay, how many tokens am I going to need? How many tokens do I need in strategy? Which, which um, I mean, I guess at what point am I planning the strategy? Is it when I'm doing my tokens? You know, do I, am I planning on doing a lot of strategy cards? Where When is leadership going to get popped? You know, do I, I yeah. have to get, am I going to get stalled out if I don't, think about it right now and um i think leadership is probably my favorite strategy card just because it gives you so much flexibility 
Um, yeah, it definitely. And, and you can't get stalled out of leadership if you're holding it. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Very true. <laughs> I don't want to. You know, I don't know if we need to erect a monument for that particular quote, but it's certainly true. Yeah, it's um, leadership is definitely a, a high priority for me, especially in round yeah. one of games. Um, if there's, yeah. you know, if there's not another strategy card that I feel like I really need for some reason, um, leadership is just such a great choice. It really yeah, does every open time. up your options. Awesome. Well, thanks for answering those those questions. A uh, little bit of a chance for people to get to know you a little bit as a player, and uh, I've got some some more similar. Uh, quicker questions for the end of our little chat oh yeah um, i remember those but uh before we get to that we do have a couple other things hopefully uh, some bigger topics to talk about starting with the game root um which which do you love more i'm going to make you choose do you do you love root more than twilight imperium or twilight imperium more than root root will never be as good as Twilight Imperium to me. I mean, I love Root a lot, and I love playing it. Twilight Imperium is forever enshrined as the greatest game of all time to me. My activity in Root would uh, tell you otherwise, but it's just that <laughs> Twilight Imperium, it's so its so difficult to find the time to play a game like that, so I can get the same scale of experience, the same emotional experience out of Root that I can out of TI, in a much smaller package it's just it's just a lot more it, it fits in a smaller box so to speak indeed um yeah but but yeah i mean twilight imperium doesn't even come close to everything else so how did you uh, like what what happened to get you so involved in the uh the root scene or or maybe specifically the scpt root scene i mean i just i love playing it i I remember I went to a, uh, I guess this doesn't really have anything to do with it. I went to a, a game convention and they had it there for sale. And when I was walking in the door the very first time, I had no idea if it was going to be there. I was like, if Root's there, I'm going to buy it. And they were there. <laughs> so I bought it. <laughs> it was the only game I bought at the convention. Um, and I, I think the biggest thing was I couldn't, I couldn't find people around me. And this is pre-COVID, so like that wasn't an issue at the time. But I couldn't find people around me to play it with regularly. And then I found the Woodland Warriors Discord, because this was before Space Cats Peace Turtles started covering it. Mm -hmm. And I just remember how intimidated I was, like showing up going, these guys know what they're doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I played a couple games, and then finally I started playing on there regularly. And I just every single time I played, it was invigorating and exciting. And I could play in an hour and a half and two hours. And, uh, you know, similar emotional experience, too, because people were emotionally invested in that game. And and uh, we had a lot of fun on TTS doing that. So I was playing like every night, just getting my reps in, <laughs> practicing. So how did, and, um, do, do you remember how the like root tournament came about with, uh, with Matt and Hunter? How did that process get started? And like, how did you get involved in that? I'm going to, I'm sure I'm going to get some pushback on this. Um, and it's also not totally true, but like I take credit for the, for the first step at least on, on getting that started because like my goal was to find, I got to a point where I didn't want to go onto the Woodland Warriors discord and just play with anybody because the skill level was variable. You know, sometimes you're going to find people who are really skilled. Sometimes you're going to find people who are just learning and I'm okay if it's a teaching game, 
but I really wanted to test myself against some of the best root players that were available. And so I, I tried looking around and the first person I reached out to was Garrick. I was like, Hey, you're on the discord. You talk about root a lot. You seem to know what you're talking about. Would you want to play sometime? Like, and maybe like find a regular group that we can play together. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. And so we started and then I think we found Justin K and then Marcus, the cat. And so the four of us, we became like this little group. Um, we just, we were playing on a regular basis and we started talking about a tournament and we just, we wanted to do the tournament. We wanted to figure out how to make it work and talk to both Matt and Hunter and like, what, okay, which one do we go to if we want to actually, if we want to do something like, do we go to Matt to get the approval or do we get go to Hunter <laughs> to get the approval? Like it's we're like literally choosing, like choosing which yeah, you know, yeah. to go to. Yeah, exactly. Which one, which one's the dad, which one's the mom or dad that like is like, oh yeah, you go ahead and do that. And just let us go do it. Or do we need to like get permission? And so it was a, trying to figure that out. And, and then Matt had a clear vision about what he wanted the tournament to look like in terms of structure and rules and things like that. And he had looked at some a rule set that he liked, but it wasn't there quite there yet. So we spent literally months like just it was just an ongoing Discord conversation on on text, like talking about the different types of structures, the merits of each. Like I, I was really it was such a great experience to be a part of this. Uh, I don't know what you'd call it. This just a intellectual horse beating that we had did. <laughs> and, and, and would you would you call this like period of time the uh, the beginning of the root council? Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, because we kind of presented ourselves together. I put a PowerPoint together that sort of uh, basically gave Matt and Hunter three options, and like like not saying like you have to choose one of these. It's just like, here's three different variations of a tournament structure that you could do. And like a little bit of a, here's what's good and bad about each and so on. And then, um, but that, we kind of tied ourselves together because we all put our names on it because we spent a lot of time like just debating and everybody got proven wrong at some point. Everybody had to fall on their sword at some point. And uh, <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of uh, dead bodies on hills in that chat <laughs> sure sure <laughs> if, I, if you're I can, familiar with the reference i, I can imagine that uh <laughs> i mean you know board games in general kind of spark uh i think passionate discussion <laughs> on yeah. a lot of topics yeah. um and there there have been a lot of times where like on on just any just such a wide range of board game related or adjacent topics people will latch on to an idea or something and just die on that hill for sure yeah Exactly. And I, that was I, where I am certainly well, guilty of that. <laughs> yeah, we, we each adapted one of the eerie uh leaders. Mm. Uh I was the like, I was the charismatic and I alluded to that earlier, but like I'm just I'll go out and find the people. You need people to play, like you need people for the tournament, let me go get them. You need people to do this. Like when when they did the test tournament, the SCPT test tournament, like that was a big part of me just going out and saying Hey, do you want to play? <laughs> do you want to play in our tournament? We're doing a test tournament and just trying to find the people and getting people involved wherever they needed to be involved. Like I just wasn't afraid to go and talk to people mm -hmm. um, unless it was uh, Patrick leader. Then I was terrified. I was like, I don't, I can't talk to him. I don't know what to do. <laughs> he no, owns Patrick, a board game Patrick, company. <laughs> Pat, Patrick seems like a, a pretty, pretty chill dude from my, my few interactions with him. Yeah. He's uh, super chill for sure. But you know that doesn't stop me from being a anxious 
<laughs> aardvark about it i don't know <laughs> sure and now i i've never really interacted with the the woodland warriors discord but that that or that like community is pretty sizable like a, a pretty big group of root players right yeah and and the nice thing about that one is it's all different skill levels <clears throat> i'd say that's the biggest thing between my involvement in the root community and the space cats peace turtles community is that i feel like an expert in the woodland warriors i still feel like i have no idea what's going on compared to all the people like you'll see the pre errata go off in the discord sure, sure. and i'm just like I have some ideas, but then, you know, it's four hours later and there's six million words already been said. And you're like, well, I don't want to read it, but I guess I'll <laughs> yeah. say that I like mage and defense grid for this faction. And you just feel like an idiot. <laughs> yeah, um, no, they, the, just, errata, the errata discussions can get uh, a little bit tough to, to get into and participate with sometimes, for sure. Which are probably even chiller than the old format, which was they would just release an episode and then there was a discussion happening and just getting Matt and Hunter just rip them to shreds every single week. I don't know how they put up with that emotionally. Quick note here from the editor. This is Matt. Uh, we don't. We don't put up with it very well emotionally. Back to you. But just like, oh no, you gotta go this tech path and that tech path and you gotta combine these two things and just a discussion and i can't keep up like i mm-hmm. i don't play as much as everybody else and i don't know as much as everybody else i'm like i'm just i'm just here to sit down if you have an open chair let's play but i <laughs> yeah i don't know if i don't want to i don't know if i look like an idiot in discord yeah. You know, over over the past year and a half or so i i have not played twilight imperium all that much um after testing POK, which I did a little bit of, like a, a, a fair amount of, but certainly not as much as plenty of other people. Um, I have played like fewer than 10 games since release, which is pretty weird considering how much I played before. But like, I, mm. I still find that um, even having not played the game all that much, I still feel like there are things I can and want to talk about. So I, I don't think that... Um, necessarily the the people who play the most are, are should be the people who are talking the most you know even if you only play once in a while i think you should uh get in on the discussion man share your share your <laughs> ideas because i don't think they're any less valid um maybe i'm just being selfish because i want my opinions to be valid but um i you know <laughs> I, I think that this is one of those games where you can think about and consider things uh analytically without having to to play the game a whole heck of a lot to have you know, good things to say. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm sure there's there's certainly room for every voice. Um, it's it's just it always feels like I'm such a small voice in such a it can be such a big world. It can be intimidating. Yeah. There are, there are people on the Discord channel who talk about the game <laughs> a lot, like a lot, like yeah, like a lot. It is astonishing how many messages get posted in some of these <laughs> Discord channels uh, on a daily basis sometimes. So yeah, I, I don't don't blame you to be sure. I have a question for you that has uh, kind of in general been a, a big thing that I think about and uh, bring up now and then in the SCPT world. And that is, uh, do, do you think that Root is a better tournament game or a better entertainment game than Twilight Imperium? Oh, those are, uh, there's two dimensions to that question that are broken. Uh, <laughs> Because <laughs> honestly, I'm I'm not a big fan of tournament 
structure and tournament play to begin with. I mean, mm-hmm. my involvement in the tournament really came from my desire to play with the best players and create some of the best game narratives that we could when we all knew the game really well. Sure. And so, but I think that Root is probably not as good of a tournament game because it is more of a narrative writer as opposed to Twilight Imperium. There's a lot more structural stability to the system itself. Even if some of the factions aren't balanced, there's still a structural, there's, there's only so much you can do in terms of scoring and economy. Like there's a limit to the economy in Twilight Imperium that's more balanced than say Root. So I'd say that if I had to choose Twilight Imperium, I still think that they're both, they both suffer a little bit in terms of their full potential when they're done in a tournament setting, just because of the fact that it's kind of just a narrative game. It's I've always described TI as a, it's a space opera. You know, sure. we get to yeah. show up, we get to let, we get to let our emotions get the better of us. You know, I was uh, listening to, to uh, Matt and Hunter's interview with Sean and just how Matt, <laughs> just loses his mind <laughs> on a regular basis. I'm like, yeah, that's what TI allows you to do. Like you can do that. You can scream at your friends and that doesn't affect your relationship because you all know it's just part of the game. You know, as soon as the game's over, you're, you're done. And I think that's part of the fun. Sure. Um, however, to, I guess, also contradict myself, what I do like about tournament play is all of the attention, all of the focus and all of the, um, strategic discussion gets i guess a little bit more concentrated meaning you get to actually see this the strategic discussions happen in a context that's more yeah. focused versus like is arborek good it's you know like we could debate about that and we never really saw resolved it well actually that debate's probably a, a dead debate but <laughs> <laughs> but like if you're if you're watching a tournament game and you're in the chat like i sit there and i read the chat and usually i'm watching on my ipad so it's really awkward for me to like interact. I can't interact fast enough. Mm-hmm. And so I usually am just sitting there watching in chat, just watching how many people are breaking down this, breaking down that they're paying attention, fully engaged. I'm just like, I'm learning a lot simply by watching these games. Like you didn't ask me what I would tell a new player to do if they were just now joining the twilight Imperium universe. But I would say, go watch some of those tournament stream games. And especially like, I guess you can listen to one of the faction discussions on the Space Cats Peace Turtles podcast feed. You could do that. I mean, I'm not saying you should. I'm just saying you could. But go watch a game that has the faction that you want to study in it and like just watch the chat. And although I don't think the YouTube videos, I never go back and look at the old streams on YouTube. I don't think the chat's in there. So that no, that might be an not. opportunity. Or uh, just maybe. do a do a broadcast <laughs> both on YouTube because I think if you do it on YouTube and Twitch at the same time you can like broadcast live in both of those and then in the YouTube chat it'll actually get captured but that would be a great place to really there's your errata right there it's right in the chat because (laughs) you'll see it in real time somebody will say something wrong and then somebody will correct them and say oh you you now have the benefit of that knowledge for having watched not only somebody say it wrong but also somebody correct them and the discussion that ensues. So I, yeah, if you're a new player, go do that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the, I, I actually, yeah, I think that's a good point. The, the context of a tournament game and analyzing decisions or choices in that specific contest context is definitely, 
super valuable and, and can be a lot more poignant and interesting than just like a general, should you use the diplomacy card? Well, maybe, you know, <laughs> there are some yeah, circumstances it where it might be great and some circumstances where it might not be great. Um, and, you know, that's going to be different depending on a lot of different factors. And you can put some of those factors into place in when you're talking about a specific circumstance in an actual game that is happening in front of you. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think that's, that's certainly true. Um, as far as Twitch chat goes, I think uh, Matt hates Twitch chat too much to ever record it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that that's probably fair. never happened. That's fair. <laughs> um, I was gonna say, oh, I was gonna say as well to the point that you made about like generalizing, you know, the strategy talk. I think that's one of the things that I suffer from with root content is a lot of you know, Woodland War Machine, great podcast, Space Cats, Peace Turtles, root episodes. They're great, but they can only go so far just because the fact that even less con or even more context is needed to really put your mind around the strategies in root because because it's so much more open and so sure. i think that um root's a game where that context is definitely more important um you can talk mm -hmm. about the strategies but it's like how people react to those strategies is a really big part of root and you know i know that those podcasts are predominantly targeted toward newer players so they're totally valid you know, but for an old strategist like me, <laughs> I need a, uh, you know, I, I like to be immersed in it anyway. Just, just plop me down in the middle of a game and let me run around the forest with a pumpkin on my face. Sure. Sure. Going, I want to, I want to kind of go back to the question of whether or not Root or TI, like which of those is a better tournament game. And uh, I, I, I'm actually surprised to hear that your uh, your choice would be TI. I, I think that even though I'm not a root player and I don't particularly enjoy the game, I, I would very definitively say, in my opinion, that root is a better tournament game and a better game for, for streaming than Twilight Imperium is. Um, I think that it's the, the length and how easy it is to follow. Uh, despite it certainly being a narrative game, but the narrative is is just, in, in my mind, easier to follow than Twilight sure. Imperium. Um, make it a much more consumable game for an audience, right? When you get into an eight-plus-hour board game, most people aren't going to be paying attention for eight straight hours. That's just, that's that's crazy, <laughs> yeah. right? And it can be really, really hard to, to step away for two or three or more hours and then come back for like the last round and have a good understanding of what's really going on. But you can look at a, you know, at a root game and maybe it's an hour and a half, two hours. Maybe you step away for half an hour and you come back and you can look at the board state and you may not know like what happened to get it to that point, but you can pretty well understand the situation looking at the score track and the you know various positions that people are in what is what is going on but it's a lot harder i think with twilight imperium yeah that's yeah i don't know that's that's a super strong point and there's really no strong argument against that <laughs> against that point that's uh because i'm this i can't even i don't even know if i can watch 30 minutes at a time of a tournament ti game just mm -hmm. I don't have the time, you know, like if I could be watching, if I had time to watch a whole game, then I have time to play a whole game. Yeah. And, and coming from someone who streams Twilight Imperium games and does commentary, I don't understand how people actually 
sit there and watch and listen to that for so long. <laughs> I don't know how they don't get bored. I don't get it. Blows my mind. Yeah, the, Matt, sit, Matt sits you down. Uh, Alec, we need to talk about your streams. Yeah, what's up? Well, it's two straight hours of you screaming at the audience saying, why are you here? Why are you watching this? Go do something fun. <laughs> it's uh, We need you to do better. Yeah, it's maybe maybe not you know, good business practice. You're like, hey, uh, I know you guys are all here supporting our thing, but why are you here exactly? Why? Is this fun for you? Are you having a good time? I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I like talking about the game for several hours at a time, so I guess maybe I shouldn't be too surprised when there are people who enjoy listening or watching a game for several yeah, hours. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I have always felt that Twilight Imperium makes for a bad tournament and or stream game, but yet here we are. In yet another uh, <laughs> tournament with a lot. Honestly, the streams have been going pretty well. Uh, the numbers have been quite good from what I've seen. So, I mean, I, I am just wrong. <laughs> well, the quality of the streams has really improved. I mean, and and they've got multiple commentators and like just everything yeah. has gotten better about it. And, and, you know, obviously you take a lot of credit for the screen overlay, obviously. Um, so great job on that because honestly it really makes watching the game a lot more um doable just like you can just check in on it you can see the score you can see what strategy card they are you can see like there's so much information that you have even if it's a little bit too much it's like it's like watching sports on tv i don't know if anybody does that anymore but um (laughs) you can see you know all the pertinent information that you want to see and i'm it's like it's really cool that that's been curated and implemented, and it really makes the streams better. Yeah, thanks. Still, yeah, I don't know if it's, um, I don't know if it's uh, eight hours worth. But. <laughs> yeah, we're we're very happy with with how that uh, that overlay came out because you know, for the last couple of years when we stream or have had tournaments, it's just been like a Google Sheet page and yeah. like a lot of times yeah. a lot of that information has to be manually updated and we forget about that and like it doesn't get updated on it in a timely manner and all kinds of stuff so um like uh, i i went to a uh, coding boot camp like that's part of the reason i kind of stepped away from scpt for a while and my first big project that i took on after kind of completing that and, and being on my own uh, was this overlay because i was like man we just we need something and i know that this is something i can do and thankfully and i want to give a huge huge shout out to daryl uh who i know has been discussed and mentioned on scpt before but he is kind of one of the the primary curators of the ti um tabletop simulator mod and he has done so 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 much work on that mod to make it hands down the best game mod on tabletop simulator there it's just no contest um, and a big reason why that tool that I work or built works is because he implemented uh, a, a tool of his own inside the mod that like exports all the data. So all I had to do was grab that data and make it look, you know, somewhat presentable. So my my job felt yeah. easy because because of all the work he's done. Yeah, that mod is ridiculous. It I remember uh, <laughs> I remember when it went live. <laughs> like I don't remember it was. Uh... Because it was it was about it was all about POK. Yeah. Because it was done before POK came out, but you could tell that it was made with the anticipation of POK because there was like yep. there was uh, seven seven slots left over on the faction board. Like you could just tell. <laughs> and uh, 
I remember when it went live. I didn't get to play that day, but I was I was uh, I saw it live, and I, everybody that I knew who played, I was like, "It's live! It's live! Everybody, it's live! It's live!" <laughs> it's like I have to tell everybody because I want everybody to go and play on the new mod, and it's just it's gotten it's only gotten better. New tools have been implemented, like the multi draft, uh, which I played a couple of times. Which is uh, it always produces a lot of frustration out of players <laughs> because it's a, because it's totally random. Yeah, like yeah. you're never gonna get like a great slice. Out of that. or maybe you will but you had it's, to pay for it or something it, it, it's, so it's that that sort of thing you know that and like the the mantis draft many of these named drafts are, are really for people <laughs> who have played too much and are bored and just want something spicy and exciting in their life you know <laughs> yeah like okay, when do i get a bot bot draft uh come up with uh, some weird random draft <laughs> method and and talk about it enough and they'll uh they'll give it to you for sure <laughs> there are there are several out there at this point So I, I want to pivot a little bit to a uh, our second topic of discussion, which is uh, the, the concept of entanglement. Now, yes, in, in preparation for our discussion today, I did at one point Google board game entanglement. And uh, it turns out and you found my you found my name. No, nope. Uh, I really okay. found very little of substance concerning what we're actually going to talk about i found a a board game called entanglement uh which uh, <laughs> that's cool but not really what i'm looking for uh, though i understand the confusion given what i googled um and then also quantum entanglement i was like well that's also not what i'm looking for uh didn't really find any actual discussions of what we're going to be talking about so um because I was unable to find a, a, a reasonable definition, BotBot, can you give me and our listeners, if there are any, uh, a, your definition of what entanglement is? Well, to me, that entanglement is really the general idea of the fact that our fates are tied together, meaning that none of us can win on our own. And it's almost the idea of cooperation or uh, yeah, cooperation cooperative game but it's really the the central idea that our fates are tied and we're going to have to use each other in order to get to our goal and the contest becomes who can manipulate or navigate that sea of uncertainty the best like who can leverage who can deceive who can who can make better deals um, non-binding deals at that. I think that's the big important distinction mm-hmm. in entanglement is that they're they're usually non-binding agreements of either peace or cooperation as opposed to just like, I'll give you X minus one. Like that's not really entanglement. That's just transactions. But entanglement's like, if you do X, I'll do Y. Um, for this being the third um, thing that shows up on Google search, if you search board game entanglement um i don't know if that's a great definition um it's it's more like it's hard to define but you can you know it when you see it um (laughs) and honestly that's like that's my favorite thing to to do in a board game is that idea of entanglement even if it's not necessarily built in and that's why i'm a big fan of cole worley's work is because the entanglement is just it's a central part of the Mm -hmm. game's 
that he creates and like like with root there's no transactions like you can't just make an agreement and settle it but there's all kinds of non-binding deals that you can make in root which means that there's a lot of trust i think trust is a big part of entanglement because you have to trust that you're making the right decisions but you never know until it's all over i think that was great i think that was great awesome (laughs) um is there a a particular game and i i asked this thinking i know the answer but is there a game that most embodies this concept of entanglement uh i mean i think you i think you're thinking about cosmic encounters or cosmic encounter um if you're not i think that's the one that a lot of us really think back to as sort of the originator of entanglement of it because of the fact that you can't do it on your own. Um, you sort of need somebody to agree to give you points. Um, was that the game you were thinking of? It sure wasn't, but uh, I'll be darned if oh. that's not a good answer. I have not <laughs> played that game, so... Uh, oh, okay. But, but yeah, it sounds... I, explain explain to me the, this, this... You mentioned that um, people have to agree to give you points. Can you, can you explain how that works? Yeah. So, I mean, essentially what it comes down to is that every person takes a turn. Everybody is this really wild space faction. So, it's all it's all in space. Everybody's a, a faction and there's probably, I haven't played the game a ton, but there's like 40 different factions that you can be um, with very detailed lore attached to each one. And there are all these different beings. But essentially what it comes down to, you take a turn you are assigned a target. So you don't decide who you attack. It's decided randomly by the card that you flip over. And then you ask other people at the table if they will help you come attack this person or the person who's defending will say, hey, I would like to invite you to come and help defend. And there's bonuses that you get if you're successful as on the attacker side. And there's bonuses that you get if you're successful on the defender side. So essentially what it comes down to is that you played, a, I think it's five points. Maybe it's eight points. I can't remember the, the exact number, but like, so you see the point track move is because people get points as they successfully achieve um, essentially what it is colonization in other people's galaxies. And you look at the points and you say, well, no, we're not going to help you. So eventually it comes down to the fact that you're deciding whether or not you're going to help somebody score a point based on where they're sit on that track. And as it gets closer to the end, then it starts to become a matter of who can actually do it on their own without any help. And you can make you can make trades and you can say, okay, I'll give you a planet on mine if you can and give you a planet on yours. And so that idea that you're literally bartering for the points that you need to win the game. Sure. Like I thought about this really wacky concept of a board game where like literally that's how you win the like the entire game is strictly a negotiation about who wins. Like the whole, like there's a winner, but everybody has to agree that that's the winner. And the the only thing that you do in the game is debate and argue about who's going to win, and then you eventually have just have to vote. Oh, the I mean the the idea seems intriguing, but boy would that just turn out to be a nightmare. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that would suck. It would suck so bad. But that's kind of what Cosmic Encounter is. Is it's you sort of decide it's. It, I wouldn't say it's King Makey because eventually somebody can figure out how to get that last point because that last point's the one that's the hardest to get. Sure. Because everybody knows you need it and everybody is going to do what they need to do to stop it. And they can. I Usually. 
I, I I find that hearing your kind of definitions of entanglement, my my definition of or how I think of entanglement is a little bit different. Um, in in my mind, entanglement is um, when you have a game where like everybody is forced to. This is why I'm so frustrated with Root and why my answer to the question, you know, what game most embodies entanglement is is Root. It's because it's it it's entanglement to me is a state in which you find yourself so entangled in the actions of other players that like you have to participate in interacting with them in negative ways in order to succeed. So like I your your definition sounds to me as like, you know, needing to interact with people in positive ways whereas my experience with entanglement and kind of my how it works in my head is is a negative interaction with other people and root really embodies that like you have to spend so much of the game figuring out how to tear other people down in order to get ahead right whereas with this cosmic encounters game it's more about um how to interact with people in like a, a positive friendly negotiated you know diplomatic way to to get ahead does that make sense am i saying that in yeah a way and i totally reasonable <laughs> I would totally agree with that. And I think that there's, I think entanglement is both of those things. I think your definition sort of completes my definition or mine completes yours, if you will. Um, because I think it's both. I just, sure. Yeah. Sure. That's a, that's a great call out that you do have to consider how you're going to stab someone in the back. Um, but at the same time, you both recognize, and I think to, to put a bow on it from my perspective is that, you, but you also have to understand that at some point in the game later, even though I just, you know, maybe maybe not crippled you, but I slowed you down intentionally. Mm -hmm. You and I may have to work together on a very specific thing. And so when we talked about entanglement in root, it's 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 like I hurt you a little bit, but then you and I need to come together and use our abilities to slow down someone else. Yeah, and you know, there's there's not this idea of you're my ally and we're colluding. It's like, we all understand what needs to happen in order for us to win the game. And we have to rely on each other, both from a positive standpoint, like making trades, making agreements, but also sometimes you're gonna get hit on the nose. If you're, if you're out in front, you're gonna get crushed. And I think, I think when it, when you're talking about strategy within entanglement, I think that's my favorite part is like, how do I stay out of the, um, you know, how do I avoid the headwinds that comes with being out in front and being a threat and looking like a threat? And like, how do I kind of dampen my strengths or to annoy people? How do I moisten my strengths? <laughs> Which sounds so bad. So that one I will edit <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on <laughs> troll troll those <laughs> bastards um so do do you have a go-to strategy for something like that like what what do you try to try to do how do you try to play it off when you find yourself in the lead in a game like root or, or cosmic encounters uh i kind of embrace it um you know you know it's coming but at the same time what i always try to do is i try to call attention to someone who doesn't appear to be in a strong position and I try to 
call attention to the fact that like it may it may look like I'm doing really well right now, but here's why here's why I'm sort of capped out. Like I I rushed ahead, I scored all my secret objectives. Like those three points, mm-hmm. I I can't get anywhere else. I I've got those. You haven't scored them. So I mean that's the difference between where I'm standing and where you're standing. But look at look at Joel Nar over there. Look at how many texts <laughs> you know they, they have. have. Look how many texts they have. What if two? What if two and four colors comes up? What are we going to do then? <laughs> yeah. And, um, but really trying to deflect who's in a better position for the to finish the game strong and and try to convince people through negotiations that look, I, I know it looks like I'm in a really strong position. I got lucky, and you know I'm probably not going to be able to score anything next round. Blah blah blah. You know you, you try to just negotiate your way out of it. Or, you know, then you start talking about, hey, maybe I can help you score some more points. Maybe, maybe you're in third place. Maybe I can help you get to second place. Mm-hmm. And try to think about how do you do that. Sometimes you're just, you're just the table enemy and nothing you can do about it. And you know it. And you're just like, I guess I'll sit back and try to, try to counter it as much as I can. I'm not going to negotiate my way out of it, but maybe I can. Maybe there's something else I can do. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um. But otherwise, with that strategy, it's just uh, kind of enjoy the fact that you've had a good game and and hope that you can make them think that they've crippled you when they really haven't. Like, mm, yep. you're always looking for stuff to stuff into your back pockets. You know, ha- hide the money that's on you so that they don't come get it. Um, but constantly thinking about how do you protect the perception of your of your uh, crushedness so mm-hmm. that they're like, oh yeah. We finished him. We did a good job. Everybody, good job. Let's go. Let's go. And then, and then you slowly crawl back. Yeah. One of uh, I, I think I've talked about this a time or two, but one of the big things I had to learn and, and uh, change about my like gameplay style when I first started to really get into TI four is I would, you know, especially when playing with friends, we'd be sitting around the table and be several hours in, uh, you know, looking at maybe the last round, and I look at my situation and be like damn i think i i think i can win and then i would say that out loud <laughs> and I, I, I think that a lot of people do this like no i think i i think i got it i think this is my game to lose and then people start looking at you know your board state and like wait he he could win but then they start looking for ways to stop you <laughs> so uh yeah. found myself in a lot of situations where i was like yeah i can win this game and then not winning because i was an idiot and opened my mouth <laughs> so yeah controlling <laughs> controlling you know the that perception of your board state is definitely important in, in really any competitive game um, and it's it's a skill that you know not everybody has when they first sit down at a board game table yeah some of the really good players that i play with locally the one thing that they do the most is whine and complain about the, their chances of winning. The ones that win the most seem to do that the most. And that's interesting to me. I um, I say this with all, but it works. all love towards the person at which this is, this is directed. But the, there is one person when you say that that comes to mind, and that is Zendog. Boy, oh boy. Man, that, okay. that dude just wins games <laughs> time and time again. But you know, you you knock him down a peg, and he he turns it on, dude. Like he he becomes just a water spigot of, uh, like you know, being <laughs> yeah, like just creates this incredible pity pity party, and it works. It works like so often. Yeah, you know, it's astonishing. The guy is just incredible at it. Like it might be one of his primary strategies, and I like it. Just it just works. It just works. <laughs> You you mentioned um, when you know with games that have a lot of entanglement or or where entanglement is kind of like a big uh, 
focal point around which the game kind of operates one of the important things for players to to realize and kind of get behind is that just because on one turn somebody is your enemy and has attacked you uh, it can be really important that maybe the next turn or the turn after that suddenly they're your best friend right mm-hmm. it can be really important to use that that yeah. same person who was just attacking you to help you attack somebody else or to help them attack somebody else right to, to kind of keep the i i i think that you know goal of a heavily entangled game is to try to keep everything as even as possible until someone manages to break away at the last moment right um so in in an effort to like keep that level playing field you really have to be able to play nice with your enemies and and also be willing to betray your friends right um that is i think something that people struggle with at different stages of or in different ways in playing and learning board games. Um, when I got into Diplomacy, for instance, right? this is a, a game that I, th- I think actually has, you know, thinking about it, has a lot of entanglement built into it, kind of similar to Root. Um, you really have to, there, there is no transaction, right? You don't, you can't trade trade goods or anything like that. You really have to rely on people's word when they say, yeah, we're at peace, or yeah, I'll help you, you know, take on some other country but like you you have to understand that like just because someone betrays you in you know one year of the game doesn't mean they're you're they're you know that you're enemies for the rest of the game there will come a time where you have to or may have to work with that person again and i think that that can be really hard for people um have you ever been in a situation in the game where someone where, where like a betrayal happened to you or someone else where it was just like too brutal to come back from and that like the entanglement was just kind of shattered uh nothing comes to mind i i mean i know that at, at some point especially with ti and i think it's such i think it's more common in ti just because of the the real life investment that you make in that mm. game meaning the amount of time that it takes yeah. to play it the amount of effort that it takes to get it to the table and get the group together and all that stuff. Um, it's, it's a lot easier for those emotions to spill over into the game and vice versa. I can't think of a specific instance, but I mean, especially when it comes to, I have one friend that I play with and um, we have two very different philosophies about um, the nature of good deals. Meaning there's always an expectation that if I give if if he gives me a good deal, then I should be giving him a good deal because of that fact. And um, sometimes that's actually created a lot of friction in the game. It's never affected our relationship as friends, but in the game, like I've literally been screaming at him about how bad that expectation is and why it shouldn't matter. And, you know, it's whether or not <clears throat> I give him trade goods isn't based on whether or not he's been good to me. It's whether or not it either A, helps my position or B, um, does it help his position too much for me to give him a good deal? You know, I'm not going to trade him something like trading a support for the throne at the wrong time. Uh, we got into it one. I guess maybe there is that one. Well, no, because the question is, was it irreparable? And, and I've never been in the position where it's been like, I can't play with this person or anything like that. It's never gotten to that point. I, I recognize it's a game. Even if somebody ruins my chances in a game, it's like, it, it's still just a game. And I'm 
at peace with that. Sure, sure. But has has but, there been um, like a, an instance with, contained within a game, right, where where the entanglement has just kind of blowed up because of like a a bad deal or a negotiation <laughs> just goes wrong or someone betrays you and it just feels too personal in that moment of the rest of the game is just kind of out the window, even if it's you know all. Good I'd say I mean there there was one where uh, we were playing. I think I think he was NRA. Uh, one of my friends was NRA and. The other was trying to avoid having all of his action cards discarded. So he offered a support for the throne to not vote for him in the agenda. And that essentially locked the game up for NRA. So it was just like, I don't know if everybody else was as mad as I was, but like we had sat there for six hours and it was a four player Mm -hmm. game. And so like we had already invested a lot of time in it. And then just for him to give us support to the, for the throne away that late in the game, to somebody who was literally unable to be stopped was just like infuriating to me. Yeah. Like it, it changed the game because it didn't matter what I did anymore. Um, everything that I did for the rest of the game was completely meaningless because NRA was going to win it and there was no way we could take it, take it away. I mean, we certainly could have spent hours deliberating about whether or not that was true. Um, but that's how it looked. And it was just like, that kind of took the wind out of my sails for that game because I wasn't going to win. And um, this was obviously before the Argent Flight episode. Had it been after the Argent Flight episode, I would have known exactly what to do <laughs> all the way up to that point. I would have been the threat. What, what, what was it that you were missing that, that we learned in the, uh, the Argent Flight episode? I don't. I don't. Oh, know. I'm, okay. oh, I'm okay. being. I'm being uh, cheeky. Dang! I, I was hoping you were. You had like some secret uh, Argent no, wisdom no. that you could impart, but uh, <laughs> no, no. I'm. Uh, I am always a student. I'm a student of the game. I mean, I've been streaming games for a while, and I'm. I'm a student of that. I'm just. I'm just a student of everything in general, just because. Uh, especially since I started playing board games in 2015 mm-hmm. like that's literally when i started getting it i mean i played hero quest when i was a sure. kid um i, I love playing monopoly uh and risk risk mm-hmm. was one of my favorite yeah. games uh when i was growing up but like, i convinced my brother the modern board yeah, game era i convinced my brother to play a lot of stratego did you ever play stratego oh Dude, yeah that was, yeah that was like a deceptively I mean, it, it cool a- game <laughs> yeah we, uh, me and my brothers played that, and like it wasn't my favorite game, but it it was certainly it certainly holds its place in board game history because of I think it was like chess with theme. Yeah, yeah, is is what it felt. Yeah, like. I think it's it, it it may to this day be one of the best two player strategy games out there. Uh at least that I've experienced. Like there, there are certainly other new ones that are great. Like, you know, uh, rebellion is an awesome two player strategy game, but man, Stratego is just, it's, I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is nostalgia kind of clouding my mind, but, uh, there was something, something about that game that was unique. It, it, it really gave you the sense of being like a commander of an army more than I think any other game that I've played. And for its time, yeah, I think that that's an important piece of context that at the time there was nothing like it. Yeah. And just, it yeah, it was, I reckon, I, like I said, it wasn't one of my favorites, but I recognize how important it was to the eventual evolution of strategy games and especially strategy games that came with a lot mm-hmm. of theme. 
I don't know if I I never played Dungeons and Dragons, so maybe Dungeons and Dragons actually did more for than Stratego, but probably you know probably we'll let the history we'll let the history books yeah, figure yeah. that one out. I, uh, I, I'm I'm well versed in like Pathfinder before that, like before 3.5. I'm like, oh, okay. I, I, they existed. I don't know. But yeah, no, they, I'm sure they, you know, <laughs> the, the history of Dungeons and Dragons is long and storied and uh, undoubtedly has huge, has had a huge impact on really at every aspect of gaming, I think. Did you, did you ever play um, the Lord of the Rings Risk game? I didn't. Ooh, man. If you, if you still enjoy Risk, I don't, like, I know a lot of people kind of grow out of Risk, but that was, that, that was a good game. Lord of the Rings Risk was um, some top tier Risk fun. Huh. Is, I mean, it's same mechanics as. Yeah, I think there were, there were like some, you know, theme related twists or whatever, but yeah, like, you know, it's, it's just Risk with, Lord of the Rings on top of it. Um, nice. yeah, I don't. I don't know. It was, it's a. It's good. It's fun. If you uh, if you and your your pals still play Risk, I would recommend checking it out. I haven't played in like a decade. Man, we have Ti and Root. I mean, why do we need to play anything else? <laughs> oh, man. I, I I don't think I have any other entanglement related questions except maybe the big one. Is it a good thing? Is it is there too much entanglement? Is it possible for there to be too much? Is there, uh, is it possible for there to be too little? Does there need to be a balance? Does there need to be entanglement at all? Is it good? Is it bad? Do you have any thoughts? Um, having been playing Oath lately, I think this is the game that is testing that question. And at least it's providing us a little bit of insight. Cause you're seeing a lot of people get turned off to it. You know, I, um, I I turn into the Michael Jackson eating popcorn meme <laughs> when people start talking about king making. Like I don't I I love king making. I think it's great because it adds an element of thematic drama to the game. It adds some frustration to the game. Um, and so and when people are talking about oath, they're talking about the king making aspect of it. And I'm just like, yeah, like that's what are you talking about? Yes, all those things you just said are true and they're great. What? What's your what's the problem? And it's oath is really challenging people's concepts about what a game is and what a mm-hmm. game should be. And I'm not saying oath is better or worse than any other game. It's just different. And people are really some people are really having a hard time embracing the narrative aspect of it and because with oath it's just like he's gonna win get him so for (laughs) and we gotta all we gotta all work for a little bit of context for uh, for anyone who has not played oath and and i have not played oath but i have seen some discussion about it like seen it played a a little bit but um an, an important thing to know about oath right is that it's it's kind of meant to be played with the same group of people time and time again and like the the winner of the previous game has some standing that's different in the next game that's played right cool yes. so uh, yes. I, yeah i think it's it's funny to me to hear that there's so much frustration with win making in a game like that because there there is no other game where win making is more acceptable than in a situation where the next game's state depends on who wins the previous game right like that that is the yeah. the pinnacle of when win making should matter and should happen and and like there's there are lots of good reasons a lot a lot more good reasons for win making to be a thing in a game like that than a game like ti where you could play eight hours and someone throws a support for the throne at someone and suddenly it's just over yeah i mean i think 
throwing a support for the throne at somebody for their 10th point or 14th point is, you know, I think that's kind of the limit for me. Like, don't just give them the game, but like when it naturally comes to you and you're the one that has to decide who wins, I think that's, Mm -hmm. that's a different thing. And I think that's another aspect of King making that we keep forgetting is that we have to, we have to make sure that we both agree on the definition of what King making is. Cause to me, King making isn't a spot that you're put in. And then you have to decide king making is like when you just say, I don't, I don't really care. I want X person to win and I'm going to make that decision by just giving them a support for the throne Mm -hmm. or just giving them the five trade goods that they need. Like that's being intentionally, uh, sort of manipulative about it. I I'm to me, king making is the aspect of in order for somebody to win, it might come down to somebody else's decision on whether to act or whether to not act. Yeah, And I, I think that those situations are the types of situations that some people get upset about, but should be less upset about because like most games of, you know, any particular type of board game is going to eventually boil down to um, some decision or series of decisions where, um, you know, it can kind of come back to one person making a decision that caused someone else to win, but you know, that wasn't necessarily their goal or there are times where, the, the only decisions available to you will cause someone to win. So like, is that when making, or is that just a tough situation to be in, <laughs> you know, versus like you said, <laughs> yeah. throwing your, you know, support for the throne is the 10th point to somebody um, or like just handing them 10 trade goods or, you know, other various things that you don't need to do decisions that are not necessary to make. Um, but yeah, they, we could do like an entire hour plus long discussion on, <laughs> <laughs> what is wood making and when is it good, et cetera, <laughs> oh, yeah. et cetera. Um, but yeah, I think you're pretty spot on that there there are definitely differences in there, like tiers of of wood making. Uh, but yeah, and I, to bring that point home with Oath, that was uh, I actually got to play that twice yesterday. Um, we were in a position where three people were literally in in position to win the game, and like the other two of us had a discussion about like whether or not who, like who, which one would we want to win? And we'd actually discussed what the next board state would look mm-hmm. like if, if uh, yellow had won. And it's so funny. We did all these things and then somebody took their shot to try to win slay the last player, which was yellow. Like it, we thought that we weren't going to be able to overtake that, but we figured out a way to make it happen. And then I won the game <laughs> on a die roll. It's like, I wasn't even one of the three people that was in position to win. That was the best part is like, we were talking, how do we stop this person? And that, and, but that's like, that was a really interesting way for the game to win. That isn't something that we're used to typically. And it's not that it's better or worse. It's just that it's different. And People are having a hard time embracing that, sure. and we'll we'll see what it does for king making. If if oath catches on, um, as as hard as the early indications might suggest. Well, I I am intrigued, and I hope to someday kind of get a, a group of oath people together. Uh, hopefully, hopefully in person, but maybe I'll have to settle for some more online gaming at some point because it does sound like a more interest or a, a route that's that is more bent towards the kinds of things that I enjoy and will maybe make me less angry and sad than route does. <laughs> <laughs> and if you come from the diplomacy 
world. I think I'd be interested to see your take on Oath coming from diplomacy. Can I, you know, I, that might that might appeal to you because of your experience with diplomacy. Well, now I'm even extra intrigued. So uh, good job. They should pay you to advertise their games. Because uh, <laughs> kill it. They should. Uh, Papa, thanks for for hanging out. I got some some more questions for you. I'm gonna throw some rapid fire questions for you to answer, and uh, then I will let you go about the the rest of your day as a free man or a free robot or whatever it is you are. <laughs> I'm here against my will. <laughs> can a bot? Here's a question for you. Can <laughs> can a bot have will? I think they can possess it, but they cannot exercise it. All right, we're going to leave that right there and let that just stew in people's minds because uh, <laughs> yeah, we're not going to dive into that, but I'll let, I'll let our listeners kind of stew on that one for a little while. <laughs> so you can pause if you're listening. Pause here and just <laughs> think about that for, for 15 minutes and then uh, come back to hear the answers to these questions. Um, bot, bot number one, what is your favorite TI faction? Oh, Argent Flight. Probably. Nice. What is your favorite root faction? The one I'm currently playing. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, do you have a, a least favorite TI faction? Uh, probably Winu. I've never played mm, them. Interesting. It's the only one of all 24 that wow. I've never played. Do you have a least favorite root faction? No. I, I do love them all. Um, I'm not... I guess if... I don't not like the Badgers, like the new the new keepers in iron i don't not like them but they're probably my least favorite okay like if if i have the option to play them i'm a little disappointed gotcha gotcha like eh, i don't i don't want all right. to all right um is there is there a faction either ti or root that you just hate playing against the most oh it's i mean it's got to be it's got to be sar in sure. ti uh i'm just i'm terrified of sar i mean i've played sar i've never done well with sar um they're just they're terrifying because they can just do what they want. Yeah. Like your existence is at their will. <laughs> uh, especially if you're their neighbor. Yeah. If they decide to, they can just come eat you. And uh, if if not Sar Muat for the same reason. Sure. sure. Yeah, so the being, you know, one of their neighbors early on in the game before they like decide who their friends will be is some peak board game yeah. anxiety right there for sure. <laughs> Um, so now on to some less game related questions. These of course being questions kind of immortalized by, uh, James Lipton during his stint as the interviewer for the show, uh, inside the actor's studio, which is amazing. Um, Oh yeah. So I have stolen many of these from him. Uh, what is your favorite word? Bot bot. Oh man. <laughs> Honestly, just game. Like, it's it's uh sorry that's not more dramatic but it's like it's probably the game the word i say the most is game awesome love it is, is there a uh do you have a least favorite word the word yet interesting i live in minnesota mm. i live in minnesota and people incorrectly use the word yet in the dialect yeah yeah i noticed that when i moved to wisconsin it is it is used in a slightly yeah. different manner in, in these parts than uh, it is the rest of the country. So yeah, I, I feel you. And it drives me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do sympathize. Um, what sound or noise do you love? This is actually the only question that I had remembered and anticipated you asking, and I already had prepared my answer. I absolutely love the sound of TTS components moving around. Like, like the sound that is created in TTS, like, 
putting down a coin or putting putting down a, a piece of plastic, especially like TI uh, plastic. That sounds specifically. I know other other mods use the same sound based on what their components are technically made of. Mm-hmm. But that sound just oh just fills me with so much joy. It's it is like strangely calming. Is that the right calming word? Calming or I, I don't know. There is a a strange quality about especially like when you're unpacking a bunch of components, like the just kind of rapid fire shuffling sound of a whole bunch of things moving into place. Yeah. And then you can see it all kind of fall yeah. into the spot it's supposed to be in. Thanks. Thanks for that, Daryl. Yeah, Come exactly. <laughs> um, is there a sound or noise that you hate? Oh, there's so many. I think it's probably screaming. I mean, <laughs> Like I don't know if anybody who enjoys the sound of screaming, sure, sure. whether it be like an excited scream, or whether it be a, um, you know, a, a terror scream. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. That's not something that we hear normally. But I mean, I live in a neighborhood with a bunch of kids, and so I hear screaming sure. a lot, sure. usually from two of the kids that I'm responsible for, and that's All annoying. Right. Uh, you heard it here first. Bot Bot hates kids. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I think. I can get on board with I. I hate sudden, unexpected screams. Like if it's kind of an expected thing, yeah, like, hey, wow, yeah, yeah. But like sudden, out of the blue screams, like oh man, come on, come on. What profession, totes, other than your own, whatever it happens to be, would you like to attempt? I think the one that always resonated with me was an attorney, um, and mostly because of the fact that when I was a child. Um, my parents, or at least my mom, were very vocal about how I would make a great attorney because I love to argue. And not from the sense of like just arguing, but like I would truly try to argue my case and come to arguments about like, like the word argue has sort of two connotations. I'm talking about the type of argument that you might see in a courtroom, which is here's why, here's why you should acquit or here's, here's why the ruling should be what it should Mm be um, where I actually put together an argument versus just like, I don't want to like, I I was actually a little bit more focused on like providing insights as to why I shouldn't have to mow the grass. Did you, uh, did you convince your parents to, to send someone else to do that task or did you end up having to cut the grass? Oh no, no. uh, The, the, um, the value that I provided my parents was not only did I mow the lawn, but I also cried my way through it. Like I was at literally pushing the lawnmower with tears coming down my face Got crying it. because I needed them to see how tortured <laughs> I was. And I, I needed that to provide the incentive for them to say, we don't want to hurt our child. We should have someone else mow the lawn. I don't know. That would have just reinforced for me making you do it. And just got a, a water in the <laughs> lawn and cutting at the same time. Seems like a good two for one yeah. deal. Yeah, hilarious. <laughs> uh, I uh, I failed in my. <laughs> Is there a profession that you would very much not like to find yourself in? Probably a, a news reporter, or maybe like like a news news head, news anchor, if you will. You know, hosting a news show. Hmm. Um, that's just the topics there gets so heavy and they're so emotional and um 
I don't necessarily tune into the emotional aspect of those topics. Like to me, a lot of times they turn into intellectual discussions and that really drives people mad. So like <laughs> it can be, it can be a weird, a weird thing to deal with where people are like, why are you not more affected by this? And I don't, I don't know. I don't have an answer for why. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not more emotionally invested in whatever we're talking about, but that, that would make it very hard. And also criticism. I mm-hmm. think that news, reporters and news anchors and that ilk i think they're subject to a lot of criticism and a lot of uh anger and i'm way too sensitive for that sure sure yeah i think anyone who finds themselves in the the public eye are certainly especially in this day and age subject to yeah um, a lot just just a lot in general <laughs> both positive and negative and even the positive yeah. can be like overwhelming <laughs> um, yeah and I think that, um, which is a weird contradiction to my um, love and need for attention. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to be recognized. Like I was so excited to, to get to do fireside chats because it was, you know, so much attention um, and exposure for me. But at the same time, it's going to come with a little bit of criticism. And I don't, <laughs> maybe I won't be able to handle it. I don't know. Uh, doubtful. We'll doubtful. It'll, it'll be nothing but praise for you and, and, um, I don't know. So people will complain about how often I say um or something like that. I don't, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll just deflect all of their uh, all of their complaints. Just say, yeah, but how bad was Alex? Yeah. Also, see, uh, I just did it. I just <laughs> called you Alex. Uh. Uh, all good. All good. Uh, Spe- speaking of attention, though, and and exposure, you mentioned that you have started streaming uh, recently. Do you are, do you stream board games? Do you are you, what what is it that you're streaming? And how often do you do it? Yeah, I have. Uh, I have two weekly streams. One is uh, called Weird Root, which is just basically... It started out as another attempt for me to, to find highly competitive games of Root, and it turned into... It's sort of the showcase hub for all the fan factions and homebrew stuff. So I didn't go into it thinking, oh, I really want to work more with fan factions. It's just... It started happening, and I have to give a huge shout-out to Slugface Killer, who has produced so much content for root like he has two maps a whole expansion i can't even tell you i don't even know how many factions but um a lot of what it's been doing is showcasing some of the great work that he's done um and also his work on the new root mod i don't know if you've tried the root mod probably not since you don't probably play root but um i mean i've, I've, then, I've, I've uh, played the at least the mod that i assume was the standard mod but you know, it's been a while yeah and that's been not even a month since the new mod came out. And it's just, it's so great. It does. It's, it's sort of like the jump from the old Kraken table to the new table on TI where mm-hmm. all the bells and whistles are in there and it's just streamless, streamless, seamless to play on. <laughs> um, otherwise I've, I've been doing this series of PAX games. So going, working my way through playing different, uh, some of the different PAX games in the PAX series, like PAX Premier and PAX Transhumanity and currently working on PAX Renaissance, which is the epitome of just boring, complicated. <laughs> I, 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 they're, they're both dry. So a great game to stream then. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's funny that the, I, I had actually gotten pretty positive uh, interactions with my root, with my, uh, not my root, with my uh, PAX stuff. So... I think there's an audience for those games and those games are starting to come a little bit more 
on the forefront. I think, thank you, PAX Premier Second Edition and Cole Worley. Um, but yeah, those are the two things. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to make it more appealing and more engaging for people to come and watch. Um, and then like trying to turn them into YouTube videos and stuff like that. But awesome. I think the, uh, yeah, I like, I, I like to try to, I'm a performer naturally. So it's, it's been a way for me to not only play board games, but also perform at the same time. Like, yeah. two of my favorite things yeah. the the nice thing about performing on twitch is uh that no one can really boo you at least not out loud they can, <laughs> I, I think they can, matt might disagree I, with I mean, you they there. can they can talk crap in in twitch chat but you can just you can just close twitch chat or you can just ban them yeah that's kick true. Them out of the channel that's true. whatever you can uh yeah you can you can easily have a great time just performing into the void but uh yeah yeah i'm glad i'm glad that you're kind of finding that outlet especially in in times like we've had for the last year and a half and also just uh you know the more board gaming that gets gets streamed the the better i think and it's slowly very slowly starting to to pick up i'm seeing you know more and more streamers uh play board games and get you know those viewer counts up a little bit higher day after day yeah and i think the the hardest part is finding uh finding something that you enjoy but also that is a little bit different and i think that's what i like about weird root is that nobody else is doing that and so i feel like okay good i have i have my own little corner of the root universe yeah you know we have woodland war machine and scpt doing root faction overviews and things like that like i don't want to do that again so what can i do that's still in the root universe but not anything else anybody else is doing and i guess um i've been having a lot of fun with it and we've been finding ways to make our last our last weird root stream was the most abstract ever because what we basically did was we reenacted the uh the scene in the lord of the rings where Gollum sends frodo into the mountain to fight the spiders so we had the uh, Marquise de Cat versus three different spider factions on the mountain map. And then there was a vagabond <laughs> running around as Gollum. And I was really proud of that, even though it was all Slugface Killer's idea. Like he put the whole thing together. He learned all the factions and taught the factions and everything. Like he just absolutely crushed it. And we had a lot of fun because it was just a really weird game, which is the whole idea behind Weird Root. It's just do something weird every week. Yeah. Now that sounds uh kind of like an incredible idea and now i suddenly find myself wanting to watch you play a game uh that's somehow built around the the old red wall books because surely that must be oh, that, that must okay. be doable right that has to be possible at this point i would think so i mean wasn't root really a red wall game I, like wasn't it based on that originally i have no idea i don't or i don't I, know if, oh, okay. if that was the inspiration i i don't know if there's any connection at all but uh at least from an outside perspective boy does it look like there sure was a lot of inspiration from Redwall. <laughs> <laughs> i think it i think it is i think that was a big piece of the inspiration behind root but i've, I've never read Redwall, so i'm definitely speaking out of turn um but somebody else can probably confirm or deny garrick garrick no garrick if you could uh just go ahead and yeah garrick just, uh, just let us know in chat <laughs> there's no there's no person that knows more about root than Garrick. Wow. And don't even try. Don't like don't even try to overtake his throne. Like he's 
Well, uh, ne- next he'll time just, I he'll be able to re- he'll, he'll be able to recall. Next time I interact with Patrick uh, later, I'll, I'll let him know that he is no longer <laughs> the authority on Root. <laughs> that crown has been passed. But he'll agree with you though. <laughs> like, he'll say, "Yeah, I don't, I don't know sure. anything." Like he'll he'll say, "Yeah, the community knows a lot more than I do." For sure, <laughs> he recognizes that. I think good board game designers all recognize that at some point. Certainly, Dane has uh, <laughs> kind of long held that he is not so much an expert. <laughs> ti in a lot of cases uh that's why we uh, I have love this humility yeah 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 um so i have i have one more question before sure. before freedom uh and that is if heaven exists bot bot what would you like to hear god say to you when you arrive at the pearly gates uh did you bring your board games <laughs> i assumed they would be provided uh yeah awkward i uh i brought other things hoping yeah. that there would be a uh, board game library <laughs> here but I don't know. Is is it? Yeah, yeah, is it exactly. really heaven if there isn't a like shelf of infinite board games? Yeah, and I don't. I, I, I that's a tough. That's a tough question. I mean, I that's a that's my uh, cheeky answer. Um, cheeky answers are good, man. You, you don't have to give a serious answer. I, I like. I like <laughs> but I think the. But I will give you the. I'll give you the serious answer, and that was just simply, you were right. Whatever, whatever it is, I was right yeah. about. I just want to be right. Hey, don't we all? In the end, we all just want to be right loved thank you uh, and loved yeah Oof, man who doesn't love being loved uh bot bot thank you so much for carving out an hour and a half of your sunday and also for rescheduling the original uh, appointment for this chat appreciate your <laughs> flexibility and all that uh, it's been a great time thanks for for hanging out and chatting with me today yeah thanks for having me it's a great time Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles. And thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. <laughs>